Hello and welcome to the Fellowship Phase, an Adventures of Middle-Earth podcast. I'm Josh and that's Callum. And that is Brendan. We're going to give you inside information on how to find your own path through Tolkien's world. The shadow fell on Mirkwood long ago. Greenwood the Great it was once. Mirkwood it is called now. But this is not Sauron's wood, not yet. His power reaches ever deeper into the forest as he tries to master the trees themselves. In time, the forest may come to serve him as a land of Mordor serves him. Until then, this is a dark, wild region, unfriendly to all, orcs, men, and elves alike. Hidden in the glades and dells, there are surprises, both light and dark. Hello everyone, how you doing? Good, happy to be here again. Uh, one of these days I'm going to learn not to say hello during your intro. <laughs> hello. <laughs> one of these days I'm going to learn why Lake Town is called Lake Town, but it will not be this day. not be this day. Thank you for that introduction, Callum. We are talking today about Mirkwood. Yeah. Um, and specifically, if we're going to run a campaign or a session of Mirkwood, what do we need to know? So, Brendan... Over to you. You're a person, you're a lore master who's going to run a session in Mirkwood. Perhaps the players have surprised you and taken a left turn and you're left with some last minute prep. What do we need to think about if we are going to be lore mastering in Mirkwood and we've not got much time to prepare? Also, why is yeah. it called Mirkwood? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't totally paying attention during the introduction, so I'm still not sure in that. So I'm going to be taking on the role of the woman who uh, is doing this last minute prep. So I suppose maybe that's the first important question. W what is Mirkwood and uh, what what might my expectations might my players have if they're coming into Mirkwood? Strong question to kick off. So I suppose cuts two ways. One, if they're Tolkien fans, which most people who play AIM, I think we know are. Mm you've got the advantage that Tolkien fans know a huge amount about Mirkwood. Uh, it's obviously a big centerpiece to The Hobbit. Uh, it does feature in Lord of the Rings and the lore itself as this great swathe of evil forest. Uh, dark things happen. There are a number of established factions and monsters uh, and routes and reasons to cross. So there are plenty of plot hooks to deal with. And Hopefully most of you players will already have a sense of it being this wild, evil place. But there's always the chance that a player in your game is not a Tolkien nerd. And actually Adventures in Middle-Earth is um, their first introduction to this world. In which case, probably the most important sense is that it is a daunting and perilous place. Um, which no one has ever really kind of mastered it's like classic tolkien wilderness like it is a wild place mm. yeah and it's huge um i my understanding is that it's around about 600 miles from the bottom of it to the top of it yeah it's it's like catastrophically large <laughs> i remember size as the island of great britain 
<laughs> when, you, when you put it like that, that that's, that's absolutely wild. I, I remember reading my first introduction to it was The Hobbit, but not just The Hobbit story, but actually the map in The Hobbit. Mm. You open it up, and actually it doesn't include the Shire. You just get the, the first bit is really when they get to Rivendell. Then you've got the Misty Mountains, the wonderful little triangles. And then basically the entire map is trees because Mirkwood makes such a huge chunk of the map and then the the misty mountains off on the right hand side so yeah it was one of my literally one of my first introductions to tolkien was opening my copy of the hobbit to the map and work would just be like this huge thing with spider webs etched into it Mm. Mm. it's a really lovely map yeah and i think to to me mark wood is kind of representative maybe of that sort of the history of Britain, you know, we know that in most of, you know, temperate regions that forests were much wider spread than they are now, like human development over time has led to massive deforestation and, you know, move towards fields and and crops and Mm -hmm. and, and livestock. And Mirkwood and the other forests, like the Old Forest and Fangorn, are sort of representative of these remnant ancient forests that that persist. And in the sort of mythology that Tolkien builds, they are places that are like harbor things that are used to be widespread and have been around for a long time and have become sort of mythological folk tales. So the Ents, the, the you know, the the Huorns, Tom Bombadil and uh, Old Man Willow. These sort of, you know, the green man stories, you know, it's, it's a big part of uh, Celtic and, and, you know, British mythology was, you know, to do with the forest, druids, the sort of magical side of things. And that really, I think, is the feel that Mark Wood gives to me, but it's been corrupted. And it, it's been like, you know, historically, historically, uh, in, in the lore, you know, Mirkwood the Great, uh, sorry, Greenwood the Great was the name before it became mm. corrupted and darkened and it, it, it was it's wider and connected to Fangorn. I think Treebeard sort of talks about that in terms of like um, maybe the Entwives, people theorise that their gardens were just the south of Mirkwood, um, although it's not, not sort of set. And um, I guess, you know, before uh, evil came to the forest, it was a much brighter place. There was a lot of elves living there. You know, I think the most famous, one of maybe the most famous locations in Markwood is the fortress of Dol Guldur that we see in the Hobbit films where the sort of white council go and take it back. And uh, that was an elven place before it was evil. Um, mm-hmm. The fortress of, the, it was called Amon Lak, the Bald Hill. And it was the capital of Orifer, who was the sort of, ruler of Mirkwood, who I think died at the Battle of the Last Alliance, um, along with a lot of elves from... I think it was Daggerland that the the kind of... And the Wood Elves charged. So the Dead Marshes, which are are Daggerland, are populated by the the Wood Elves who who foolishly charged the forces of Moria. Moria? Mordor. um, So, you know, it was a good place. And I think that, you know... To me, that comes so many ideas about like, you know, there's there's ruins, there's there's old things, there's creatures, there's nameless creatures potentially. And the map that is laid out, you know, we'll, we'll get into some spe- specific locations, but if 
Brendan, you're prepping an adventure in Markwood. Yeah. You say the first place to start is actually just read the lore around it. Mm, you don't okay. have to do that, but I think that really gives inspiration about, you know, once you know that, you're like, well, there'll be elven ruins. There'll be, mm. you know, there'll potentially be signs of things that once were old trees that are potentially sacred, um, etching, marking, or like take some examples. Like I've got a book of like Celtic myths and, um, you know, some examples from that or like Druidic, you know, that's, I guess, mm. our Radagast figure. So, something I think I think thinking of where to start the way the Hobbit is so successful as a book is obviously it, it starts you as the reader in sort of the Shire which is our gateway in because it's it's kind of like our world everything's very familiar slightly different but pretty familiar to to what life particularly when Tolkien was writing was like and then as the Hobbits leave the safety of the Shire they see this more fantastical world and help the reader understand the fantastical world. And the thing the hobbits find is that Mirkwood is not like the woods they know. Mm. It's not like the kind of like tamed orchards and mm. playful forests of the Shire. It's this daunting place. And I think that's a good, it's a forest, but not as the players know it. Um, and I think the thing that always stuck with me as a kid reading the Hobbit was when Bjorn talks about how they mustn't leave the path because basically they would never find the path again. Yeah. And I remember as a kid reading it, I was like, how could it, like, how could there be a forest that was big enough that you could genuinely get lost and that would just be it? You would never find your way back to the path again. But Tolkien repeats that quite a few times, and that does, it's what ends up happening to the dwarves, is that they stumble off the path and they become hopelessly lost. Uh, and I think that's a, a good way of trying to get your head around it for, for players, is that they are massively vulnerable and if they stray even slightly off course the chances are that they may never find their way back to where they want to be yeah so it's got this sense of it as kind of this brooding primeval forest almost yeah. as though <clears throat> you were talking about it as being kind of an ancient thing but almost like representing the the danger of the woodland you know in the same way that the you know, the old forest or Fangorn is about the, the kind of the, the power and the strength of woodland. This is a really a much more hostile place. Yeah, it's, you know, you kind of anthropomorphizing the the trees and no wonder they're annoyed, you know, and, and there's this whole section of the forest is like, when, if you look at the, the map, there's a sort of bit at the bottom right, which is sort of chunk out the east bite, uh, the mm -hmm. area is called and, you know, the, the, the myth goes that men of the kingdom of Ravanian to the east of it long ago sort of cut down such a big part of the forest you know these no wonder the trees are annoyed you know they they, they hate axes and mm. that sort of um you know these that I, I love trees i love looking at them i love how unique they are mm. particularly the ones that are like wizened and twisted and unusual and unique and i think that's a really evocative thing for storytelling and if there's magic you know it's like well of all the magic you know trees like the life and energy there like if they could come to life and have feelings and express those feelings that that ominous and you know i guess that's what that introduction was a little bit is that mm. you know i guess there's like there's the elves and there's the men and there's people that are good and then there's the evil you know creatures of sauron and mm. then and then there's almost like the third 
thing, which is the forest itself, and like that it harbors ill will towards all things. It's a big forest. Um, if I'm coming into it as a lore master, are there areas or regions that I need to know about in mm. it? Yeah, like I really like the way that they set that out in the book. So there's a the lore master's map, um, which you know it sort of divides areas up into like how difficult they are, and gives you like regions. And then within each region of the forest, it sort of lays out some. I really like the way they do this actually. So so say for example, we take uh, the so the Ravanian region guide, they have regions of Markwood. Um, so the book lays out like a basic introduction to Mirkwood overall and gives you some examples of of some themes mm. about Mirkwood. And I think we see this in the film and they talk about it in the book. There's no light, so it's quite hard mm. to see. Mm. Your vision can be played tricks on, you know, things are, are different and strange. Mm. There's no fresh air, so it's sort of like lifeless, breathless, you know, it's hard to breathe. And occasionally, and I've definitely employed this, you might say like, there's, um, you know, like we like a, a stench might come up from bog or a, a rustling of leaves might suggest something is, is watching you. Um, there's no water, so there's few streams, it's so difficult to drink. There's no food, so it's hard to forage. There are no paths, it's fine to, hard to find your way. There's, there's little life and the life that is there that might be quite strange. There's no hope, all these sort of things. And um, it can, they give you some examples about like what the evils of the forest. But say like we talk about the different regions. So the north of the forest is the least corrupted. And in the book, it, it lays out for each area, it gives you like the sort of scenery and terrain. So like what type okay. of trees there'll be, you know, what the ground is underneath. Like we're talking about terrain before. Mm. Uh, so north Mirkwood has got like cliffs. There might be okay. fog, there might be hedges, roaring water, roots. There's some signs of like ancient ruins potentially due to the Eothed because they were up that area. And okay. there might be like areas that the elves congregate and sing and dance. So there might be quite like nice things that you can run into. Yeah. And it lays out like wildlife. So like wolves, bears, deers, rabbits, foxes, and you can work them into journey events. Mm -hmm. And then it gives you a bit of an idea about inhabitants. So it's quite a nice place to start. And really, although it's all quite similar, it's all big forest, it, the yeah. way that the regions are divided, and also like at a glance, you can see like this is more dangerous than that area. It does give you quite a lot of inspiration to, to try and different. I don't know how you felt that as, as players, like when you're in Markwood, has it, has it felt different from the different areas? I hopefully it's felt scary because that's been what I've been going <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely has felt scary. It felt absolutely awful. <laughs> the decision to cross Mirkwood has always been like an unpleasant one, which I think is what it should be. It should feel like this daunting thing. And it has felt like that. And that's part of that's that kind of meta knowledge that as players, we know it's grim and awful. But you've done a good job of kind of signposting for us like, oh, well, if we take the elf path, which is further north, what might we expect? And, you know, some NPCs have given us some indication of what that's like or one of the missions we took was actually to cross the old forest road, which goes basically through the very middle. It's further south in the elf path. And there was a different flavor of forest there, what we might encounter, what the challenges might be, and they were different. And very recently, we'd actually done an adventure uh, near Dolgoldur in the 
kind of the southern reaches of the forest and again the way you described it it felt more ominous um, and more oppressive josh so i'm i'm um, <clears throat> if i'm kind of law mastering this kind of thing for the first time because i think that's one of the things that i would be be wondering about worrying about how do you make a big expanse of forest feel like it's got different bits to it so how did Callum kind of put that across when you were playing I think it was um the things that you this is probably true of basically describing any room or scene when you're uh, running a game is which bits you choose to pick out like you know if the characters walk into a room as dungeon masters we know we don't tell them literally every single thing that's in the room you pick you pick the, the important bits and i think what callum successfully did was just highlight a couple of things and then stuck with the theme so certain areas and um i've mentioned this in the podcast before i hate spiders and Mirkwood is full of spiders. <laughs> spoilers. Do you actually have never come across them. <laughs> so I gave you a, a magic sword, particularly good at killing spiders. Yeah, that was that was a, literally a double-edged sword because it meant I was the one that ended up killing all spiders. <laughs> um, some areas were more infested with spiders, and you did a good job of really laying on how much web there was um, that we'd ever so often come across these sacks which were strung up food. Um, other places, the trees were thinner or it was a different type of tree. And also you did a good job of talking about the light. Um, so the, the, I think the sense is that the light doesn't really penetrate the canopy at all. But then in some places, I think you kind of let it a bit to and they felt less evil like there was bits of sunlight coming through and it felt like this was maybe a a less dangerous area so i think just picking one or two particular um plants or uh, you know species or trees or a particular animal and kind of keeping that repetition describing a particular area helps the players think of it as a different zone almost of the forest okay I guess like what we just talked about terrain, I think that can be really helpful as well. Like if you think about the sort of topography of the terrain and what's around it. So a recent adventure, like I kept mentioning stuff about it being boggy and wet. Yeah. And like, I, I think if you, if you keep repeating yourself, cause like, you know, as a player, I find that, you know, there's so much going on and I'm, you know, it's hard to focus all the time. And even if you're making notes, you might not pick up on stuff. So like layering your descriptions, so yes. if you just keep repeating it, it, though sometimes it feels a bit repetitive, it can really emphasize like, oh, okay, that's important because they've said it several times and their characters would pick it up. And mm -hmm. then when they, whenever they make like perception checks or stuff, you can, you can layer on there or journey events. Mm -hmm. So, you know, flavoring there's in the, is it in the Merkwood region, uh, Merkwood campaign guide, there's like set, um, journey events for in Markwood, and I think it gives you suggestions for different areas potentially. Okay. Um, so you, that's quite a good way of like you know flavoring those events to be you know worse or better depending on which region you're in. That's interesting. And so, in in terms of kind of making those those events or that kind of journey feel um feel different or feel significant from a mechanical point of view are there particular rules or things that would i'd need to know or would need would come into play through the journey through Merkwood? um 
That's a good question. Um, I I often called for like survival checks or like or, or stuff along those lines to stop like if people were getting lost for for <laughs> that. They um it lays out what happens if you like have a mount bout of madness in Markwood. Then it you know might mean that you like that you do that differently. Okay. Um, there's a section here traveling in Markwood. It's across either severe daunting terrain, with exception of the western ease where the woodmen dwell. Okay. Um, while traveling the forest may be difficult, those who dwell in the forest may know local routes. So yeah, you sometimes you need to like think. Actually, is it even possible for them to make this journey without some sort of help or guide? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't think I have a specific rules. I I kind of guess you just use the rules that are at your disposal in the lower master's guide. So you know, corruption saving throws for various things in the forest. You know, treating them as um, tainted lands. So there's you know you're gonna have certain things that you're gonna see which are more more difficult, and you know how are they traveling? So asking them like, are you stealthing? Are you traveling at normal speed? And then using that to you know, because there's a lot of things potentially that might be watching. Mm. But I don't think I have any specific mechanics. Do you have any, any mechanics that you think that might work? Well, there were specific. There are specific journey events tied to Mirkwood, aren't there? Yeah. Like oh, the table. This is something that's always uh, has always been behind the curtain for me. So I've never seen what the tables have on them. But there, I, I presume there's a custom set for Mirkwood compared to, I don't know, the the veils around it. I think there is. Um, I know that you then actually add in kind of your own, and there are some kind of slightly more generic ones that you can flavour. But there are some because I, I remember there were particular ones where we came across some strange statues, um, which were of ancient times, and they were the way you described them. They were very creepy, but it was unclear whether they were creepy in an e- evil way. Or whether or not they were evil, sorry, whether they were creepy in a kind of mysterious way. Um, yeah, and I love that about the elves and other rings. Like they, so we were so suspicious of of elven things that you know, I guess you know, it, it's magic and it's strange mm. and strange. The assumption that people make often is that strange equals bad. And I really like that often talking is saying like, no, 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 no. Like if it's different, if it's strange, it's a, a different culture. Like that's just unusual. And like walking up, you know, Strider is strange and, and you know, he's like possibly one of the most heroic characters in the whole thing. And and initially, you know, is different. And I, you know, it's a nice, a nice theme, isn't it? That um, it's doing other, other things is although initially, you're going to push past that. Um, so yeah, the, the, there's a specific journey event table, which is on page 133 of one of the books, which is called the Mirkwood, Mirkwood Campaign Book, which is sort of more like a over the years sort of suggested ideas of things that happen. And it um, it's, it, it's useful inspiration. So I, I tend to use that when, when you're in Mirkwood. A rule that you could enforce. Now we we do this, We've we've been stricter and more relaxed about it depending where we are but things like rations mm. uh, because the scale of Mirkwood is so large and you know in advance how long it, you can predict how long it would take in terms of days and weeks to travel across 
we've always been quite good at trying to be prepared and making sure we've got rations, knowing that if we run out, we'll need to hunt in the forest, that that's potentially very difficult. Um, so a rule that you could, whether you enforce it all the time for journeys, I think it probably is worth enforcing for a journey across Mirkwood is, mm. do you have enough rations? And that way, getting lost has a mechanical impact. Like If you get mm -hmm. lost and it adds on days of travel, maybe you need to seek out food or water because... You know, you can't just go on indefinitely stumbling around in the forest. One thing I struggle with rations, and I think it is like a, a an enjoyable thing. I think people enjoy, you know, thinking about like, how are we going to survive this? But I kind of want to like abstract it out. Maybe that's inspiration for me to go and write that up. But, you know, say you start with a set number and then you roll checks or like every time there's an event, a dice happens and it goes down by a certain amount. You know, because because what the difficulty is, it's like as a player, I'm like, well, we're going on a long journey, so I'll just take six months worth of rations. But like, that's not not realistic. You know, like that would you, you could carry that much food. So you know, how do we like? Is there a limit somewhere? I don't know if there is in the rules about how many rations you can carry. And then it becomes like quite complicated. Like, what's your carrying capacity? Yeah, how many rations you're taking does it actually last that long? How much can you forage? And then I'm like, oh, this is too complicated. I can't be bothered. Whereas if we had was just some way of like, you know, there's like every time an event happens or something, you fail a check, then it goes down by one. And then if you get to below a certain amount, then it gives you a mechanical disadvantage. Mm -hmm. If you've written those rules, email us or tweet us because <laughs> uh, I would love them. I, I mean, it is, I think if, if that does sound really interesting from the point of view of adding pressure to a journey that you know if you've got a sense of if you know the journey is going to take i don't know how long a journey across Mirkwood takes well uh, the old forest roads like two two to three hundred miles long or something it's not so 200 miles at normal pace would be 10 miles a day 10 to two weeks it, two with weeks. if you were yeah, not if you're on a road which is like straight and well maintained you know, you could, like traveling through Markwood is onerous, is difficult. You know, you don't have a set path. You're getting lost, mm. low levels. There's ravines, there's rivers that you have to navigate and get around. Mm. So getting anywhere is really slow. So, but I like the idea that you have got a, a, a certain budget to get through it in terms of your rations and things. And that, that adds an element of peril because every time you get waylaid or you, mm. you come across something, which means you've got to double back, that that's adding on the pressure and that pressure will come out towards the end of the journey. I was wondering a little bit, because you'd mentioned um, very clearly at the start about the danger of getting lost in Mirkwood. If you get lost, there's no way you're getting back. I was just wondering how how you would play that from a mechanical point of view because I want I suppose that I, I like the idea of having that sense of danger that having that sense of peril and I want players to be making meaningful checks or rolls to make sure that they're not getting lost but I also don't want them to die lost in the forest yeah so how, do you, <laughs> how do you balance that by making there a pitfall to, to potentially getting lost without it being absolutely catastrophic. There's a song in Frozen 2, which is called Lost in the Woods. <laughs> and it's like an 80s ballad and it's hilarious. 
I can't help but think about that now. Josh knows what I mean. <laughs> I, I do. Great, grateful. Um, um, Lost in the woods. I, I first of all, I totally agree. Die dying, as in actually the game stopping because they got lost in the woods. In this kind of a game, a sort of heroic fantasy game, would not be fun. As you know, I absolutely love like my real passion is running horror RPGs. Getting oh. lost in the woods and dying is a great conclusion to a horror RPG. <laughs> it, would not, it would not be a great conclusion to this. So you're right. There does would, need to be. Um, I would love that in another setting, Josh. Please, please invite me when you're playing that game. But it's not very. No. I suppose what the way you could do it from a rules perspective is that they would they would just utterly fail in their objective. So they might be able to get back out the forest the way they came in, but they had lost all their time, resources, and they had not even come close to achieving whatever presumably reasonably good moral heroic thing they were off to do was. Effectively, they have just gone in a big circle and achieved nothing. I suppose it's probably the that's probably a way of emphasizing it being a big defeat without them actually starving to death in woods which is not really the, the kind of game that we're playing yeah yeah and also i think by heightening the tension and the difficulty of it it leads players to then seek out ways to try and succeed so if you're like this is going to be really difficult and then they're like okay well maybe we'll go and speak to radagast and we'll get some sort of blessing or help or ask the animals mm -hmm. to guide us Maybe we'll go to the woodmen and see if anybody's willing to guide us. Maybe we'll go to the elves and see if they can assist us. Maybe we'll speak to the dwarves and like the old dwarven, the old forest road. Like maybe we'll we'll get involved in setting that up because we want to make, make travel better. Um, maybe we'll make friends with some spiders. And, uh, <laughs> yes, maybe. The resource thing is a good way of I think having a meaningful consequence because if you if the players know they're running low on food so you keep that conversation going of like it's been this many days are you going to hunt or you're down on your rations you are not the one forcing them to turn back mm. they likely will make the decision themselves to turn back when it seems you know all is lost it's hopeless we we cannot reach the other side or we can't reach that destination in the forest we're going to turn back i suppose if the players just foolhardily decide no we will press on then you perhaps they could die and get lost in the woods i think it's very unlikely a party would actually press on you know i'm just wondering actually maybe if you like run out of food and then you have to you roll another journey event for them or something you know that could be a way to to abstract it out and um you know because essentially giving them the chance to get the hunting event and get some more food um yeah, so, you know, I think there's probably an opportunity. Maybe when the Lord of the Rings role-playing game, you know, come to to do a region guide for this area, maybe they will maybe they'll give us some some concrete rules for it. That'd be quite cool. Or, or potentially there are concrete rules in the books that I've forgotten about, if so. <laughs> because Actually, I do that just, just, just a flash of inspiration. Another thing I've seen done for if a if you're about to have a tpk and actually you think oh, i really didn't intend for the whole party to die at this moment a fun way you can have give the players agency to rescue themselves is you effectively like cut away from the moment mm. and give them another party so it mm. could be like we're hopelessly lost without food fade to black and then you get them to run a mini arc with some other characters who are we need to rescue the party in the woods and you get to guide them to rescue the party. And that way the other party's still defeated, yeah. but the players get to have the fun of rescuing them rather than 
the fun of rather than it being spoiled so i think there are ways to do it and i think yeah. getting lost has to be because it's such a big part of the books it has to be an option it has yeah. to be a risk for the players the other big risk is the monsters that live in good segues that was going to be my next question so <laughs> we've talked about the hazards of the train what what options do i have for setting up an encounter I mean, it's it's going to be spiders. I'm just going to say it's going to be spiders. There are a lot of spiders. Well, I would never put spiders out. I know you don't like them, so I'll just take them up again. Oh, well, so so it it could be spiders, and there's a lot of spiders. And I remember from the movies that there's a lot of spiders everywhere. Um, does yeah, it have well, to be spiders? Can it be something else? Or I think, and also, does it have to be the same spiders? Like, what kind of Ooh. range of spiders? You know, smorgasbord of spiders. Factions. Spiders of factions, you know, it's politics. I I think there's worth, you know, I guess there's like NPCs and enemies and factions are from the forest and you can sort of split those up. And then there's also like locations, yeah. specific places, and then they have specific enemies there. But just talking about like the range of enemies, I guess, like spiders is a big part. And I think, I think universally misunderstood species like i don't i don't hate spiders um but um i know some people find them quite quite scary um amazing creatures but quite creepy particularly when they're giant and uh i can understand that and i guess the the lore aspect is that there's like mm-hmm. mongolians like the original like number yeah. one big spider sort of where did she come from? You know, yeah. part of the world, really, um, yeah. really interesting uh, thoughts about that. And then Shelob is a sort of, you know, progeny of of Ungoliant. And then all the spiders, the giant spiders are from Shelob. And so there's these large spiders. And I think what they, the game does really well is think like, well, there's one sort of the Shelob. So there may well be other, you know, there'll be some spiders that are bigger than other spiders. Mm. And maybe those spiders have names and maybe they have characters and maybe they have really powerful abilities. And those are like really cool um, adversaries. Okay. Like spiders are smart and Shield can speak. So why can't these spiders speak? And I love like them. And I think as players, I've sort of like, and I wouldn't say their names are like exactly what they do, but dropping in that and like, you know, maybe hinting that the spiders have a little bit of autonomy in the book, they talk about like there being a parliament of spiders is the area where the spiders meet and maybe there's sort of factional divides in those. Mm. And I had quite a lot of fun. The book gives you some things for like attercops, which I think is what they call them in the Hobbit. Is it? Um, and it gives you profiles for that. But I quite, I went and like went into fifth edition and found lots of different spider profiles and pop them in to have like a range of spider enemies. And there's also profiles for some of the named giant spiders, which they create for Avengers of Middle-earth. And they are really interesting. I don't know how you felt fighting them, Josh. Um, I think you fought two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, They were really well done. First of all, I actually think as... I agree with everything you've had to say about spiders. I am irrationally afraid of them. They actually are fascinating creatures. And I think as monsters in any role-playing games, they're great. I think they are normally done mechanically really well because they're not just a big sack of hit points. Actually, they normally have some quite interesting abilities. Mm. They normally have quite interesting movement abilities with web. They can affect the battlefield in quite an unusual way. Often they have some kind of 
um, poison or fear or paralyzing ability. And I think generally spiders are well done in role-playing games that they they're quite an interactive enemy in a way that some other kind of mm. things can just be a big bag of hit points. Yeah, that's the yeah. worst sort of enemies. Yeah. That. So I think that's one thing that was really memorable about fighting them, particularly in the woods, because the woods had a particular terrain and the normally it, it normally was dark and it was quite scary and there was fear mechanics and there was webs. So often one of us would end up getting stuck in a web, <laughs> which slightly changes the, which is what happens obviously in the, in the book. And Bilbo ends up needing to try and rescue them from um, in the webs. So I think there's a lot to play with mechanically with the spiders. And I liked that we got these rumors that there were these big old ancient intelligent spiders who had there was like more of an agenda they weren't just these kind of faceless monsters like there was that they were this malignant presence in the forest mm. and it, it it always underlined that sense of like we kind of shouldn't be here mm. which i think is what you want it constantly should feel like you wake up every morning like why are we here what why have we come into the forest so say I've got someone in my party who's got, like like Josh, is skittish around spiders. And I'm thinking, well, the last three sessions I've thrown giant spiders at them. And it's getting to this point where if I don't throw a different enemy into the mix, they're going to leave. So what other options do I have? Um, so in the books, they talk about forest goblins and they slightly amend them from other goblins. And I think they're quite nice in terms of like, they're sort of hunted by the spiders. So it's not like they're working together in any means. Um, there's not really stuff about goblins riding spiders, which is quite like a fantasy trope, isn't it? Like maybe that yeah. you could do that if you want, but um, yeah, the, the, the forest goblins, they, they use like poisonous venom, what venomous weapons and they, you know, quite sneaky and, you know, they might live potentially in parts of the forest that are darker and, but probably not particularly like organized or formidable, like quite a low level enemy. Mm. Um, certainly to the south, there's like, you know, at this, the time period where AIM is set, which is just after the Battle of Five Armies, you know, Dolgadur is kind of abandoned. There's not much down there, but maybe there's some sort of remnants of more organized orcish forces. Okay. Um, some other things. So there's the mountains of Markwood, which is on Tolkien's map. Mm. And I think that's really interesting what's in those mountains. You know, that I think the elves potentially had a refuge there. I'm not sure if that's just an aim thing or that's a lower thing, but like they they had retreated there after um Amon Lack turned into Dolgadur. I think that is it is it is a lower thing. It is a lower thing. Um so there's maybe elven ruins there, but you know, like I think mountains and cave systems are something that features strongly in Tolkien as areas where you're likely to find evil things. And mm -hmm. I can't say because of spoilers, there's some stuff in the book that, you know, is around there and they write about it. And it's some really interesting enemies mm -hmm. uh, that you can, that you could pop in there from, from the lore and mm -hmm. really put anything there because we don't, we don't know, you know, so, okay. so higher level enemies. And then I think the other thing is like spirits, you know, so the forest, you know, there's been a lot of death. There's a lot of been creatures mm -hmm. that have been there, potentially ancient men, ancient elves, burial. So um, there's these things called like wood whites and are, are creatures mm -hmm. that are like kind of spirits, almost like the barrow whites. Um, and then finally, I think the trees themselves. So, you know, we know that some trees come to life. Mm -hmm. um, they should be sleeping, but they're waking. Um, so that could be another potential enemy. And I, I've 
not really particularly use that, but I think that is um, a really interesting idea for a forest. I think that's the main. Oh, and one one other thing actually, and just remember this is that I um, had this like fungal troll, which was based off a yes. tradition thing, which is actually really terrifying for everybody. It was quite a high level encounter, but um, you know, I think there's going to be trolls and and creatures. So anything that's like any part of the legendarium about different creatures and then sort of taking a foresty slant on it yeah reflavoring them with because just adding in or removing an ability or two to a, an existing enemy particularly one they've already fought can immediately give a sense of it being a different place and like that fungal mm -hmm. troll because it was um it had like i think we actually got poisoned or we got diseased as a result of fighting it and when you were talking about fighting it, um, you did a good job of sort of narrating this, it, the weird colour of its skin and some of this, these toxins kind of getting on us and stuff. And we felt while we were fighting, like, oh, this is, this could be bad. Like, we, we maybe shouldn't be <laughs> interacting with this. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when I'm running games because of my job and I have quite a good understanding of, like, bacteria infections. <laughs> Whenever that sort of stuff comes up, I get like really vivid on the descriptions. And oh, I it, love it. It's great. like, they're like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely disgusting. <laughs> the other type of enemy, although not necessarily an enemy, but can be a uh, an opponent, is these are all obviously monsters, but there yeah. are factions in the forest. And even elves, although we think of elves in Tolkien's work as good, we know from the experience of characters in the forest that the elves are very protective of their lands. And even though they are not evil, they might end up being your enemy if you're straying into their, their mm. territory. They may not kill you, but they might take you prisoner or drive you off the land or um, yeah. you know, lead you to get lost or something like that. So that's always an option as a, you know, a foe in the forest in a kind of different way. I guess when you're an immortal being, you know, they are quite mischievous, the elves, and I think mm -hmm. there is a differentiation between the sort of like high elves and Noldor that that are mainly in Rivendell and stuff, and the mm -hmm. is it the Teleri, the sort of um, elves that never went west. Uh, the 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 Avari are the ones who never. Avari, that's it. Yeah. The Teleri, the ones who started and got lost. You're talking about the there's the Sylvan elves, and then there's the it's the what is it? It's the Twilight. The grey elves. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we could maybe we should do a whole episode about the elves um, later on. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's not. I think it's not the same elves, and it is very mm. much within the realms of possibility that they will, through their own warped sense of right and wrong, do something that could be quite quite catastrophic for your player characters, which mm. could be quite fun. And and I think it also creates a dilemma because. I think as a player, you know, like, well, we we can't really like just kill an you know can't just fight them. You know, you kill an elf, like, you know, that's happened, and like, there's been things where elves have killed elves, like the Kinstrife, and mm. um, or you know, like elves and warfile, and like that is like something that comes up in talking, but it's always like this very evil thing, and I'm pretty mm. sure like you definitely get shadow points, even yeah. if that elf was directly acting against you, if you just resorted to violence, and then it leads to like a different sort of encounter where you kind of like. You know, do you use non-lethal force and try and overpower them, or do you try and use yours at charisma and, and get out of it that way? Or interesting, yeah. I've got one one last encounter-related question. So, say I'm playing this, you know, kind of doing a journey, and I roll the dreaded 
12 on the, the encounters table, which is fly, you fools. What come if you rolled rolled fly you fools on the journey event table? What what would you put in there? What would you have them facing? What would be your I know you don't want to spoil all of it, so what give us a hint about what what would be a good terrifying enemy in there? enemy? Well, because 12 can be either good or bad, depending on other Yeah, I thought it might love. be fun to, to do the bad one. You want to do the bad one first. Um, well, I think in the books they talk about like the ring raves, and we talked about them before. Mm. What were they out doing? You know, they're not corporeal, but they're definitely around. Mm. So there's certain ring raves in the forest, and there's profiles for different ring raves in the books. So mm. they, I've certainly employed them before. Um, other things are like Child of Shelob, so these sort of larger spiders uh, can be really interesting. Um, and then there's some enemies that lurk in the mountains of Markwood, which could potentially come out. Um, and or, or just enemies that you know around. So like there was this werewolf um, figure that they encountered before, and that's become a recurring enemy. It was like, it, you know, very early on in the sessions, they fought a werewolf at the Morford that got washed away in the river. Mm. And then more recently, they've encountered that in Markwood. And, and so like, actually, if you've got a villain that's, you know, want to come back and employ, put them in on that 12th. You know, use it as an opportunity to explore what's happening. There's another, there's another option, and we talked to this previously, I think, when we talked about creating monsters and Balrogs and, and Goliath, that there are kind of like unnamed horrors mm. in Tolkien. Mm. They don't often appear in the plot, but mm. they, they exist in the world, the sense of kind of like primordial, nameless, in the dark places yeah. of the world. And Mirkwood is one of those, like... Mm places that you could come across something that maybe even as the lore master you didn't need to name you wouldn't even mm. need to define that much it would be a plausible place for the players to encounter something i've just remembered something so i've been we need to talk about this more because obviously there's adventures middle earth and then there's lord of the rings role playing by free league and i recently read it. i've not owned it yet but um i read through a copy of it and I think my favorite thing in the book, there was this table for nameless things. And it was just uh. a table you roll on. And it was just like, you roll the thing and it was like the 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 slimy, uh, you know, watcher. And that's one of like, but it'd be like a verb, a noun and thing. And you combine it together and then you get this name of a thing. You know, like the watcher and the watcher. We all know what it is. But like, you know, it's just like so evocative, the names. So, you know, to be able to just float off the fly, it's very Lovecraftian, isn't it? This it is, yeah, yeah. The horror aspect of it. You couldn't overuse something like that, but I think it, it when when used well, it could it could really add a yeah. sort of horror, horror unknowable bit. There it. are enough hints of it in Tolkien's world around the, ed the edges that it wouldn't take you out of the setting to introduce something like that in the forest. It wouldn't be like, well, hang on a second, you've totally spoiled my immersion here. Like, yeah. That does exist. And I think there are things that would take you out of the immersion. Like, there's certain like D&D enemies. And I think that's like setting specific, you know, we're coming away from Markwood a little bit, but like, you know, if you're going to gonna put a, an enemy in here, that isn't specifically talked about in Tolkien, which I think is interesting to do because like he didn't he didn't write like a catalogue of it. He wasn't interested in saying like these are all the enemies you might meet. No. You yeah. know, that's not how he was telling the story. If it wasn't important to the story, it doesn't come up. Um, you know, it has to really, you tr it's quite hard to fit things in 
and there's certain things that might just stick out like a sore thumb. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess one last thing to just say, like, it's nice to when you're planning an adventure, it's like, where are they going? And the book really nicely lays out like specific locations of interest. And I'm not used all of them, but there's a lot that are like, oh, that just makes sense that that's there. So I'm going to like latch onto that and like that can be a destination or something's happening there. And then your larger NPCs can say like, oh, you know, go to this thing. So obviously there's like the things that we know from the Hobbit, like the Elven King's Halls, yep. the Elf Path, the mountains, the Old Forest Road, there's Dolgadur, there's the Woodman Settlements. Um, but then, you know, I guess some of the things that they come out, so there's like other fortresses, like other things connected to the Dolgadur, smaller ones. Hmm. Um, ruins, uh, particular trees, spider lairs, hmm. you know, ruins, um, you know, old burial grounds. Hmm. Um, or like, you know, there's the old forest road. So that's a, a dwarven ruin, you know. The dwarves wouldn't just have a road with no, you know, they're, they're you know, like yeah. towers along the way. So like what, what dwarven ruins are associated with that? Interesting. Um, I like that. And the, the Ravanian region guide's got so many, so many of these little things dotted all over the map. Um, there's loads of great inspiration. And you don't need to use all of them, but I, I quite like them. Well, that sounds absolutely great. And I think that, um, thank you both. I feel like I've got lots of really good ideas for for adventures that we could potentially have in Muckwood. Spoiler alert, they will contain hundreds of spiders. Damn it! I was going to say, you wouldn't necessarily need to have spiders. You could have a nameless thing and an elf and you'd know spiders. No, they need spiders. I think they need, they need at least the hints of spiders for it to work. <laughs> No emails except on party business. And comments, suggestions, and questions to the fellowship phase at gmail.com. The long year turns to its close. Much we have accomplished these last seasons. On the next episode, our fellowship disbands, but is not broken, and we will return. <laughs>